Hey there, this is Pastor John Ware, lead pastor of Lifehouse Newport News, a church that exists to help all people experience life change through Christ. Thank you for joining us today on our podcast. We hope it inspires you and gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. Now let's get to today's episode. What's up, everybody? It's Pastor John here. Thank you so much for joining us today for the final part of our series, Got Struggles. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be talking about the struggle of mental health. Now, to be candid, while preparing this sermon, I felt extremely intimidated and unqualified uh, to speak on this topic because, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm simply a pastor who loves Jesus and loves to teach God's word. Um, so today I don't come at you as a trained or, or licensed clinical psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I do want to tell you what scripture has to say about you and your struggle of mental health. Because here's what I do know, mental health is affecting you. According to the United States National Library of Medicine, current statistics say that, 40%, that 46% of people will meet the, the criteria of a diagnosed mental health condition sometime in their lifetime. Something like anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, addiction, bipolar, body dysphoria, ADD, OCD, panic attacks, PTSD, a plethora of phobias, stress, self-harming, social anxiety, just to name a few. So almost guaranteed you or someone you know and love will struggle with mental health. I saw this article on CNBC a few days back stating that because of COVID-19, the world is on the brink of a mental health crisis and our world is not equipped to handle it. It stated that with the current projection of mental health issues looming, that there will be 10,000 people dealing with mental health issues to every one mental health professional. It's stated that mental health issues will cost the world economy $1 trillion this year in treatment costs. Now, you might say, hey, John, look, this sounds ter terrible. I feel bad, but, um, you know, I don't struggle with PTSD. I don't struggle with anxiety depression or, or bipolar, this might be a great sermon for somebody else. But let me tell you this. The truth is this. You have a state of mental health. You have a state of how healthy your mind is. You have a state of how well you decide what to do when you feel pain, when you feel pressure, and when you feel stress. You have a way of coping that is either good or bad. You have a current condition, whether healthy or unhealthy, well or sick, of the way you respond to what you feel and to what you're thinking. And, and the crazy thing, it's even affecting the realm that I dwell in with pastors. Over the past year, I have seen pastors with successful churches, people who, who you would look at them and you would think they have perfect, perfect lives. It seems like everything on, on the outside is great, a big church beautiful wife, kids, and they have taken their own lives. And honestly, I look at these guys and I'm like, what is keeping me from being them? Being a pastor every day thinks that you've got all the answers, 
But honestly, we are just people in need of God's grace as much as anyone else. Scripture says the pride comes before a fall. And I don't want to be prideful and think that one day I can't be them. So, so I've been challenged personally to examine where I'm at and ensure that I am mentally healthy. So the thing is this, if the stats are true, either you watching or someone you know or love is or will have mental health challenges. And how, and, and the thing is, is this right? How has the church responded to this? How much has the church actually talked about and, and, um, and joined in the conversation of mental health? From, from my vantage point, not a whole lot. We tell you to change your mind, change your thinking, act better. But how much have we actually helped you practically get down to the nuts and bolts of actually how you do this stuff and change the way you think? In preparing for this sermon, I had a friend tell me that when she would go to church, the preacher would preach that if you get counseling, you don't have faith. Or, or if you were in counseling, you were, you were just crazy. It's talk, like, it's talk like this that creates a stigma around m- mental health and people will not feel safe to talk about it. And it seems that the church has told you, you know, just come and get prayed for, hear more sermons, read more of the Bible, get in more classes, get in more life groups and change will happen. But how many of you have done all of that and you leave on a Sunday or sign off on Sundays and go back to the same patterns, the same issues, the same strained relationship, the same struggles you had in your mind. I told you though that when we first started this series that the strategy for overcoming your struggles is not practical or spiritual, it's practical and spiritual. So, and today is gonna to be no different. And so today we're gonna to be diving in and we've got three goals for today. The first off is we want to destigmatize mental health within the church. Secondly, show you how mental health is at the center of Jesus and Christianity's message. And thirdly, help you take a first step or next step in your desire for mental health. First off, destigmatize mental health within the church. A stigma. Let me tell you what, what that is. A stigma is defined as being a mark of disgrace or stain or reproach to one's reputation. Essentially, it's like wearing a scarlet letter that you just kind of or the you just kind of wear. And, if it, and, and, and really, unfortunately, if there is anything that the church has done to people that struggle with mental health or with mental illness, it is exactly this. If someone has struggled with suicidal thoughts, depression, anxiety, PTSD, PTSD or other mental illnesses, we've said, oh, well, well they're just not spiritual in, enough. The that the reason they're battling or dealing with any of these is that it's their fault or, or they're just crazy, right? It's something that, that they did. But something that I discovered preparing for this sermon is that in the same way, a physical body can be sick for a plethora of different reasons, some self-inflicted, some due to genetics or the random painful events of one's life. The brain is the exact same way. The reason that someone is battling mental health isn't because it's always their fault. It could be genetically passed down chemical imbalances. It could be someone that that has experienced trauma because of a painful life-changing experience. Or yes, it can be self-inflicted 
as well. But if somebody is physically sick, if somebody, you know, if they've got something wrong with their foot or, or their heart or their arm, why would it be weird or wrong of them to go and see a doctor? It's not weird. We're like, yeah, do it. Then why do we treat it differently when somebody has problems with their mind? We view it differently. We say, oh, do you know what? They're crazy. But in the church, I believe that, unfortunately, many times we have dismissed mental health instead of taking it seriously. But also think about this biblically. If those struggling with mental health includes those struggling with things like depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. The Bible is full of people that dealt with these exact same things. Think about David. He said this in Psalm 38, 4, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Psalm 38, 10, it says, my heart pounds, my strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. Job, this is Job 3, 26. He said, I have no peace, no quietness, I have no rest, but only turmoil. The prophet Eliza in 1 Kings 19.4, he said this, he came to a, to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. This is what Elijah said. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. All right, think about Jonah. Jonah, this is what Jonah prayed. He said, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Paul, even Paul in 2 Corinthians 1.8, he said this, we do not want you to be uninformed brothers and sisters about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. What Paul is saying there is things were so bad in his life that he did not want to live. Do you see a, a trend here? These, these, these incredible people that God used mightily struggled with mental health greatly. So the question is this here, is it possible to love God and be used mightily by God and struggle with mental health? Yes, absolutely. Here's, here's the thing. We know that one of the consequences of sin is that we live in a fallen world, a broken world where our physical bodies break down. And some of you know what I'm saying. You're realizing that as you get older, you can't be like Kerry Jones. Not all of us can get older and bench press more the more that we get older, right? Here's the thing. Our earthly lives are limited and eventually our bodies will fail us. They'll break down and get sick. And this can also apply to our mind as well. However, I believe it's important that, that, that I make an important distinction here. There is a big difference between what Jesus did for us and what Jesus does in us. Though because of the fall, our bodies are limited, our spirits are made alive because of what Jesus did and accomplished through his death and resurrection. Let me explain. There was a work that Jesus did for us in our place on the cross where he was a substitute for sin. We've, for we've all sinned and turned from God. And, and it is because of our sin that it has separated us from God and each other. And we couldn't get back to him because of our good works. We could not get back to him because of anything we could do. So Jesus came and lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we deserve to die in our place. He substituted himself for us. How, however, he gave us the benefit of his good work 
and that was right relationship with himself to where now we have a right standing, righteousness, right relationship with God. And what Jesus did for us is instantaneous. It's nothing you can actually earn and it's transactional and makes our spirits alive because of what Jesus did. But Jesus did not just do something for us. Jesus also does something in us where, where he now, Jesus lovingly and patiently helps us transform into the person we have already become and now are because of Jesus. We aren't perfect out here, but we are perfect in our relationship with God because of Jesus. And now by the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us, he transforms us to be more like Jesus. And the thing about this is, is that we are all different biologically. We have different strengths and weaknesses, different struggles, different physical limitations, different mental capacities. But though we are different, we have the same end goal, and that is to become like Jesus as much as we possibly can on this side of life or however long God allows us to live. This work that God does in us is not instantaneous, though. It requires you to dedicate yourself toward it and, re and requires you to go through the process of healing. And honestly, what I've seen is that people love to accept what Jesus did for them, but they struggle with, with, with wanting to accept and work through the work that Jesus wants to do in them. I've seen Christians struggle with things for years and they go to the altar and they say, Jesus, change me. And it's like, okay, you pray at the altar for 20 seconds and you just want God to, 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 to take from you something that you have built 20, you, that you've built a habit on for 20 years. Do we believe that God can, can instantaneously set people free? Yes, we believe that. We pray for that. But at, the same, but at the same time, freedom is not free. Freedom is fought for. We believe that Jesus has already bought our freedom and he gives us the capacity and, and, and way through the power of the Holy Spirit to then walk out our freedom as sons and daughters of God. This work that Jesus does will last our whole life. It will have ups and downs, good seasons and bad seasons, successes and struggles. And this is why more than ever, the church should be a place of safety and community where those who are struggling with mental health can be honest and ask people to rally around them in prayer and be assisted in seeking professional help. When we encounter people who suffer with mental illness, we should be hesitant to provide our opinion on what we think the source or, or of, of what we think the treatment should be. This issue and human beings are, com are very complex. I love what Heath Lambert says. He says this, caring for people means being alert to physical problems that require medical treatments and spiritual problems that require Christ and his word. Most of us are not mental health experts, so we should stick to what we do know. God is good. He loves us. He doesn't forsake his people. We need to pray with those who are struggling within our churches. We need to treat them as fellow people made in God's image. We need to encourage them to seek professional and medical help if, if needed. We need to be available to walk with them, help carry their burdens, and only then will the love of Christ, uh, or only then will God's love be a place where they can come and find healing. But secondly today, I want to show you how your mental health 
is actually at the center of Christianity and Jesus's message and how Jesus is actually good news for those who struggle with mental health. The World Health Organization defines mental health as a state of well-being in which every individual realizes, realizes his, or, his or her own potential, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to her or his community. So this is saying that realizing who you are and what you're capable of, how to deal with the stresses of life, how you can be fruitful and productive, and how to be a blessing to your, to your community is directly related to how healthy your mind is. As Christians, do you know what we would say to that? Duh! Like, we agree with that. Like, we have been saying that for 2,000 years. Let me tell you, Scripture says, right, in Proverbs, 20, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says this here, as a man thinks about himself, so he is. In other words, you are the sum of what you think about yourself. Jesus, when he came, when he came on the scene and started preaching and teaching, one of the first things he, he said and continually said throughout his traveling itinerant ministry was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here now. And what he was saying with that, that word repent, we can always think it simply means just feel sorry for for your sins and feel repentant for your sins. But that actual Greek word actually means to change the way you think. Jesus said, hey, the kingdom of God is here. I want to change the way you think. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this here. This is Paul writing. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, conform any, or do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what Paul is saying here is that, is that in response to what Jesus has done for you, the most logical conclusion is to say, Jesus, I'm going to give my life back to you as a living sacrifice. And then he says, the way you experience the kind of transformation that Jesus wants to do in you is by the renewing, and, and, that, and that word there could also be translated renovating, by the renovating or renewing of your mind. He's saying, if you want to experience this transformation that is available to you through Jesus and the cross, it's actually going to start in your mind. He wants to help you change the way you think. I, get this, at the core of Jesus in scripture is this idea that after you accept Jesus's offer of who you are now because of what he did, you can move towards who you already are by changing the way you think, getting your mind uncluttered, getting your mind healed from past trauma, getting your perspective of past events reframed and utilizing professional and medical means of grace if needed. Y'all, Jesus wants you free in your mind. He wants you to have the freedom to accurately discern what is, what is most honoring to him, best for you, and good and pleasing to your friends and family. He wants you to have the freedom to, when confronted with harmful thoughts or self-destructive behaviors, to choose what will lead to life. This is at the core of Jesus's message. But lastly, you might say, hey, John, look, um, I'm not healthy. I'm struggling. I've got persistent thoughts of sorrow, anger, even thoughts of taking my life. And today, I want to help you take a first 
or next step in your journey of finding mental health. You might say, John, you can't focus, you feel paralyzed, or, or you could say this, look, I, you, know, you know what, I'm not at that point yet, but I would rather be proactive instead of reactive and, and say, I wanna be able to put good tools in my toolbox for when or if I'm confronted with the challenge of mental health. And after speaking with some friends who have struggled with mental health and also consulting some therapists and counselors within our church body, um, they pretty much gave, gave me a one step with different little steps associated to it of starting your journey of finding, of finding mental health. Um, let me break it down to you. Ready? It's two words. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Say, say it with me wherever you are right now. Ready? Humble yourself. Stop trying to act like you got it all together. Stop trying to act like you know exactly what you need to change or can do it by yourself. First Peter chapter 5, verse, uh, verses 5 through 7 says this here. It says that God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. He said, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humble yourself. If you have continual patterns in your life that are causing you anxiety, depression, PTSD, addiction, suicidal thoughts, self-harming behaviors, or stress, then you have to ask yourself, what kind of pain are you willing to endure? What kind of pain do you want to have? The pain of staying the same and staying in the same cycles you've been in for so many years? Or do you want the pain of humbling yourself and getting help? Getting help doesn't mean you're less than. It doesn't mean you aren't good enough for God. It doesn't mean that, that you should be better than this. It doesn't mean that you don't have faith. It doesn't mean that you did something wrong. Getting help could actually be the strongest, most God-honoring thing you could do. But getting help will require you to humble yourself. Humbling yourself includes telling somebody. Some, some of you right now are suffering in silence. You're literally suffering in silence. And what you need to do is tell somebody. You need to get it out of your mind. Get it out of the dark place in your mind and get it into the light. Stop fighting by yourself. When you tell someone, you get out of the prison of your own mind. And some of you aren't telling others ab about your thoughts and what's going on here because you don't want to be thought of as weak. You don't want to be thought of as being strange, weird, crazy. And honestly, I'm telling you today, humble yourself and tell someone because the truth is chances are they all the is that they can already see and they already know what is going on in your mind and 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 look today if you're battling suicide and you're watching this right now and you have had thoughts continual thoughts of taking your own life i beg and plead with you today please tell somebody reach out to us do a prayer request on the church online platform send us a Facebook message. But the thing is this, if you don't feel comfortable reaching out to us, reach out to the suicide hotline, 1-800-273-8255. Reach out to somebody 
and tell them. And to those of uh, and and to those of you here or to those of you watching that you are going to be that someone that someone goes to and talks to. Your job isn't to fix everything. Your job is to listen and be a friend and remind them that you are with them, you're for them, and you will walk with them wherever this journey takes them. Humbling yourself, though, could also, could also include going to see a licensed or trained counselor or therapist. You know that there are licensed therapists and counselors who love Jesus, believe he's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and have a huge heart to help people and disciple people through renovating their minds. Here's the thing, if your heart was acting up, if your foot was broke, if you were having hearing problems or speech problems, you'd go and see someone that could help you. Going to somebody that is trained in diagnosing, talking through and treating your mental health might be the means of grace that God will give you to help you see the victory happen in your mind. But the thing is this, humbling yourself also means going through the process. And it is a process, but if you're struggling in your mental health, you already have a process. It's just not a very good one. In our country, we want quick fixes. It's, it, it's the way the culture is discipling us. Do as best as it can, as quick as it can. We try everything to get a quick fix. And we think that mental health is the same way, but just like anything, it is a process. But let me challenge you with this thought. Don't pray or ask God for anything that you aren't willing to go through the process for. Don't pray for anything that you aren't willing to go through the process for. And I know some of you here, you're, you're saying, God, I need help here. Then what I believe God is saying to you is, go through the process. Go through the process. Humbling yourself could also mean this. Humbling yourself before the Lord first. That, that scripture that we read earlier, it said this, humble yourself under the Lord's hand and he will lift you up in due time. But let me tell you this, how he lifts you up and who he does it through are his prerogative. God uses natural means to bring people up. Humbling yourself to the Lord could be humbling yourself to the people he has empowered to help you. Some of you here today, you, you need to be lifted up. But your next step, your first step, is to humble yourself. And possibly today, you would, you would say it's not just about humbling yourself in regards to mental health. You need to humble yourself in regards to your spiritual health. Where honestly, you, you know right now today, you know you are not right with God. And before you work here, you need to get this right. You need to get your relational health with God right. The crazy thing is that humbling yourself is also the first step to get that, to get that, to get that relationship right. Thank you again for joining us on the Lifehouse Newport News podcast. If you're ever in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to join us at one of our live worship experiences at 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. at the Regal Kiln Creek Movie Theaters. Until then, feel free to check us out at www.theaterchurchnn.com or on any social media platform. Thank you so much and God bless.